Did you guys know that Brannon's brother is a sex addiction therapist? We are so glad that you're here because you're choosing to thrive after betrayal, trauma, or addiction. Hi, I'm Ashlyn, the once betrayed. I'm Kobe, the once addicted. And I'm Brannon, the expert. Now, why am I an expert? Because I've treated betrayal, trauma, and addiction for over a decade. I want to invite you guys over to our premium site where you get in-depth content and access to us. We answer questions there for you and you get interaction with like-minded people. Okay, guys, we're going to start with a review. Uh, this, this review is called Honestly Wow. It says, I'm so grateful for free resources like this that provide so much value. What I love most about this podcast is the differing perspectives around the issue at hand. Thank you, thank you, thank you. God, we sure appreciate that. Uh, that's a great resource. And remember, I mean, that's a great review, but remember... Um, guys, the way that people find this podcast is by reviews and uh, ratings. So love to have you hop over there, rate and review, because the more people who review and rate, the more this is searchable, if that's a term or a word. Um, guys, we got something special for you today. Uh, Brandon's brother, Tyler, is a sex addiction therapist, and he treats uh, betrayal trauma as well. Just a super great guy, and uh, we actually got him to come in and and, uh, and have this conversation, have this have this uh, conversation with Brandon today. And the cool part is, is they both get to share their perspectives. But here's what's really cool that I liked about this. Okay, is they talked about shame and how shame can be this like fog that can um, inhibit our view of life and reality in our relationships and how we perceive other people loving us or not loving us. And what they also addressed, which was really cool and super meaningful for me because I spent so long, um, in, in an unauthentic place is they talked about how working through your shame can lead you to being the authentic you and standing in that place where, um, you can be proud of who you are. You can stand strong and you can stand tall, and uh, they hit some great topics. I'm excited for you guys to hear this because this has been unusual for us, but honestly, this has been pretty cool to just be a fly on the wall and watch these brothers do their thing. So uh, we're going to go ahead and, uh, and cue the conversation. All right, you guys, I have uh, t- with me here today one of my most favorite people, um, probably one of the best, my best friends in my life, one of the most important people in my life, um, my older brother, Tyler. So he's a year older than me. Um, but I didn't invite him on the, the podcast because he's my older brother and he's (laughs) awesome. Although I think he is awesome. Um, he knows as much about sex addiction treatment and recovery and, uh, betrayal trauma treatment recovery as anybody that I know in my life. And he has a ton of wisdom, ton of knowledge. Um, Tyler, I'll let you kind of explain what you do for a living and what you got going so they can understand who you are. Sure. Thanks, B. I'm really excited to be here. I go I, by B, by the way. So you'll, oh, you're here. 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 Yeah. Call sorry, me I call him B. So it's actually a real treat to be here. I watch your podcast all the time. I tell my clients all about it, and it's like interesting to be actually in the arena of it now. So, <laughs> yeah, we actually do the exact same thing for work. Mm-hmm. I I don't know how we both ended up falling into this part of the work. Um, I know that I went to grad school and started getting into addictions work and I was working for the drug courts of Southeastern Idaho for a while after I graduated. And then you called me and said, Hey Ty, like nobody is doing sexual addiction work the right way. Right. 
we ought to go into business together. And so we actually set up an office together in Logan, Utah yep. that you never came to. I got busy here in Lehigh <laughs> and never headed up to Logan. So I ditched out on Tyler and he followed through and has since just killed it there in Logan in terms of not just business wise, but, uh, I kind of I kind of laugh. It's like he's a celebrity up in Logan. No, um, whatever people love him um, <laughs> and know him as a, a a person who's inspired them and helped them heal um, their relationships and just do the hardest work. So um, I, I've referred several several clients to Tyler and and they never ever um, uh, complain at all. They love going to going to you Tyler so yeah at least not to you right <laughs> yeah yeah so anyways um what else do you got going Tyler yeah so we've also started another another little project that we're working on right now that's called love strong and really the focus is on expanding the principles of recovery to wholehearted living especially for men nice trying to trying to take the principles of recovery from sexual addiction and expand them into like growing into full wholehearted masculinity and manhood what do you mean by that? Wholehearted living, masculinity, manhood. Yeah, it's like this idea. Is that like being tough? Like, like you know, when I used to well, wrestle you and beat, beat you down and stuff? Is that like that? <laughs> well, that never actually happened. But, <laughs> well. <laughs> but but you tried. And it's not, no, it's not like that. What I mean is. He, is Tyler actually knocked my two front teeth out when I was like <laughs> seven years old. So, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of, it wasn't really fair. I've always had the age advantage on you, so. Um, no, but it's this idea that, y- you know, the principles you teach here on the podcast, it's taking those and expanding those into being the kind of a man who who lives authentically with transparency, with honesty, with the ability to be in touch with their own darkness and be able to confront their darkness and own it and make some good out of it. The ability to, to stand up for the things that matter, not just your work, but, you know, being involved with family and also cultivating a heart that says, I'm alive. Okay, so what I'm hearing you say is that uh, recovery is about so much more than not touching your penis, not cheating on your wife, not doing this bad behavior, but it's actually stepping into your power or who you already are as a man. Is that, is that what you're saying? 100%. I always, I always talk to my clients about this idea that most people come into my office needing to stop a bad habit. And the, if the focus only stays on the bad habit, they've missed everything because what the real the real gift of being forced into recovery is, is is that it's an opportunity to reconnect to who you really are and to shrink out who you thought you were. That's, I say that all the time, that recovery is not about you know, working your way up uh, you know, a stair step to, to a place. It's actually uncovering. Um, it's getting rid of all the junk, all of the gunk. You know, Kobe calls it the spike narrative, the shame, the trauma. You don't get rid of the trauma, but you get rid of the stuff that it creates. And what you'll discover deep, deep down is that you are a son of God who is loved and, and, and who is powerful in a good way and who can create love and with, with a partner, right? And you can be intimate. You can be vulnerable. All those things are there. But how do you uncover that crap? That's the hard part, right? It's like as you're talking, I'm thinking about like Kung Fu Panda when he finally gets the dragon scroll and he opens it up and it's like just this like blank sheet with his own reflection coming back. And <laughs> I love that. Then he comes to the conclusion that there is no secret ingredient. Um, that's what recovery work is, is it's uncovering the fact that you already all had it. 
to be the kind of man or the kind of husband or even the kind of woman that you wanted to be. It's that we get stuck because we have this world that kind of injects things that kick us around, you know, and we have traumatic things happen in our lives or we start to adopt these false beliefs of who we think we are, like right. all the shame or what Kobe would call the spike narrative. All of that stuff starts to feed us and then we start to believe the, something that's not actually true. Right, right. And so in order to uncover it back, we have to treat ourselves differently than we've ever treated ourselves before. Okay. We have to meet ourselves with compassion, with understanding, with patience. We have to we have to step into confronting those dark places where we've received those messages that we've always believed that aren't actually true. Okay, Tyler, you just said, I think, kind of the, the key piece to it all. And it's, you know, the, my, one of my favorite quotes is that the cave you fear to enter um, holds the treasure that you seek, right? Joseph Campbell. And, and here's the thing, is if you want to overcome your shame, if you want to overcome your trauma and tho- those type of things, then you're going to have to step into some dark places. I believe that the way to heal from your shame is to turn and face it. Um, the way to not run from your fear is to turn and battle it and fight it. And uh, the, I think the most important ingredient to real recovery, real true recovery, is courage. Absolutely. Courage is the, 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 the thing that helps you resonate on such a higher level where you can create real authenticity, real vulnerability, um, real love and peace in your life. One hundred percent. And that's that's the problem is, is that people come into even our office sometimes and they say, OK, well, give us a few tools and skills and then we'll be on our way and we'll always feel better about it. Right. And unfortunately, like what we don't tell our clients at the beginning because they never come back if we do is, is that half of recovery is learning how to see and embrace and confront pain. Absolutely. And not just to confront it, but to embrace it as part of the process for our growth. Yes. You know, because that's how we end up stepping into our true potential and we can't have growth without it. Well, you think about addiction. The nature of addiction is to do do what you can to avoid pain. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And, and even betrayal trauma recovery, it, when you're caught in that fear cycle, you're running from the fear. You're spinning. You're you're trying to make force everything to be okay. And the way that you start to heal from betrayal is to let go of a lot of outcomes, um, accept the reality as it is, and then step into that reality, right? Oh, so hard. So hard to so do So difficult. Yep. Um, turning and facing your fear is the way out. And, um, you, know, you know, it's, it's uh, when we talk about these faulty core beliefs, Tyler, it's like, like, give me an example of a faulty core belief, a spike narrative, as Kobe calls it. Okay, yeah, so I'll give you one, a personal one, okay? okay. This is one that I've carried with me. I'm going to do a little therapy on my Pretty brother much here. Thanks, Get ready, B. guys. Yeah, so I, got, I got the best in the business, in so that's here. good. Yeah. Here we go. This is this is something that you've heard a thousand times okay. before, but but growing up being the oldest of the three boys, I always felt this pressure to have to make sure I set an example for you and make sure that I performed to make sure Dad was proud of me. You know, right. and in the midst of that, I I I excelled at a lot of things. You know, right. but the reason I excelled at them was because I wanted to make everybody proud of me. So, so th- the intention underneath was a lot of shame. Shame driven. Like, like you were One, trying to prove yourself. One hundred percent shame driven. I always had to okay. prove myself, and the and the agreement that I formed as a result was that my value hinges upon my performance. Mm-hmm. So then I carry that through boyhood. I carry that into college. I carry that into a marriage, and now I'm living as if my value only depends upon my performance. Now I've got this perfectionistic attitude. I can never quite hit my own mark. So I'm not enough unless I 
do certain things. Absolutely. Okay. Yep. And and even when I do those things, there's always something I could have done better, which means I'm still unlovable. I'm still unworthy. So that you never can quite get I, there. I've set the stage for a game that I can't win. Right. But I'm, in, I'm like a hamster in a wheel still running that way, trying to prove myself. Right. And as soon as I was able to recognize that I was living that way, it was so automatic, I didn't even realize that I had adopted that belief. And when I recognized that belief, I was able to go, wow, like this... Up here, it doesn't make sense. In my head, it doesn't make sense. In my heart, though, it still feels yes. true, right? And so what I had to start doing is I had to start asking myself, does this have to be true? Okay. The answer is no. So you're questioning the thought. Yeah. First, first you're recognizing the faulty core belief. Mm-hmm. You're noticing what the belief is. My value is contingent upon me performing. That's right. the, the recognizing the belief. The next is questioning that belief. Curiosity. Which, which curiosity, which is... It's not easy to question that belief because it's so deeply ingrained. It's part of your identity, right? right? Even just asking the question, you almost feel like you're betraying something inside yourself. Yes. Yes. And when I recognized that and said, what's it, what's it producing in my life to believe this? Nothing but misery. Right. What are the consequences and the outcomes right. of that belief in your life? Right. Nothing but misery. So would it be okay to at least entertain the possibility that that thought doesn't have to be true and that maybe something else is true? Yes. And when I recognized that I could do that, then it became a daily exercise. Sometimes it, it's it's both empowering and scary at the same time, right? Because oh. you're used to playing that role, you're used to finding your worth there. But it's also like, screw this! I don't have to live <laughs> this way anymore. Right? You right? get sick and tired. I'm sick and tired of the outcomes of this belief. Right. Yes. And it's a constant thing because autopilot always wants to suck you back into the old way. Yes. But. But a hundred times a day when I recognize that, I'd feel it more than anything in my body. I'd feel my shame come up. I'd right. hear that thought, you're a failure or you're not doing good enough. And every time I'd feel it or think it, I started to challenge it, renounce it and say, no, I don't believe that anymore. Right. And then I would replace it with two things. I'd replace it with a new belief that I wanted to believe was true instead. And then one action, usually an action of kindness towards myself. Okay. So Excellent. the new belief was... So no. some compassion back toward yourself. Absolutely. When Spike's just kicking the crap out of you, it's like, no, I'm, ge- I'm going to actually tell myself some truth here. Right. right? I'm, I'm actually just a work in progress. I happen to be a son of God who's constantly going to get better. And the beautiful thing is, is I have until I die to grow. Right. That's much different than you suck. Well, what are you going to do about right. that? I would, I would add one thing, and, and here's the therapy part, yeah. so... Which is, uh, you know, you do an act of kindness toward yourself. Um, but I would also say you challenge that belief. You look at that belief and you say, okay, like, I don't know if that's working for me or not. But to, to really challenge that belief, to really turn the tide on it, um, I think you need to step into the dark, which means you need to act against that belief. You need to do something, encourage that although deep down you're feeling like I'm my value is only here if I if I perform good enough, you know it's something like you failing, you or you going out Absolutely. there and putting yourself out there and realizing if I fail I'm still a value, right? Absolutely. If, if I put myself <laughs> out there, right? I've got a, I've got a project going, personal project going with me and one of my best friends, you know Chase. Yeah. Um, we have something that we call the vulnerability series, and both of us have kind of made a list of the things that we're most afraid of. And we're trying to document ourselves doing that. Yeah, I love it. It's, br- love it. it's really brutal. It's actually really painful. But the whole reason for that was that we wanted to make sure that, number one, I'm, I'm doing exactly what I tell my clients to do day in and day out. Right. But number two, like, 
if I want to grow, I have to step into the place where I'm going to grow, which is, you called it the darkness. Right. You know, and right. that's, that's, that's hard. I, I, uh, one of the therapists that worked for you for a while, Alex, mm-hmm. um, he, um, uh, back in the day, he told me he, he, he didn't believe that he was lovable, um, worthy of love. Right. And so he was single and he was, uh, he was like trying to date girls and stuff, but he couldn't ask girls out because he didn't believe he was worthy of love. So he was like awkward and like couldn't couldn't put himself out there, you know? So, so him and his buddy created rejection Tuesday (laughs) where they'd go out on Tuesdays and try to get rejected as much as they possibly could. And the whole point to that was I'm going to, I'm going to face my fear. I realize that unlovability is there. I believe that about myself. I'm going to, I'm going to act the opposite anyways. And I'm going to believe for a day on Tuesdays out of the week that I am lovable. And didn't he just end up that getting married? That is awesome. And, and have you met his wife? No. Oh, she's awesome. Oh, like, good yeah. for Alex. So Alex, <laughs> Alex totally did the work and it paid off. So Alex, yeah. if you're listening, yeah, you, <laughs> good job on Rejection Tuesday, yeah. man. But, but you know what? Not only did he end up with a great wife, he ended up with a whole new perspective of himself. Himself. Right. Which which that shifts his energy that shift. Like you talk about this masculine energy, him being able to step into who he is more so um, that makes him create so much better stuff in in his world and in his life. Well, and that's right? what attracts a woman like his wife to him is because he was doing the work to shift the, what he's putting out into the world. Yes, exactly. Right? It's not just. It's not just the facing your fear, but him starting to gain that confidence yeah. and create that, that He's no longer change. shy. He's he's not shrinking away. He's acting with courage in the way he's living his life. And, of course, he's going to match himself up with the same types of energy there. My my, uh, my women's group a couple weeks ago, we were having a discussion. And, and one of the questions we get all the time is, um, like, you know, how do I know when he's really in recovery? And the way I was trained years ago was to just say you know, you just know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they don't love that answer. No. Cause there's nothing concrete there. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it was interesting as I was talking to my women's group, I actually started just outlining things just boom, boom, boom. And everything that I was outlining led to this, what you're talking about, Tyler, it's, it's not, it, it, it's, uh, I started saying things like they can make mistakes and they can own it and they can forgive themselves. Um, they can vulnerably, um, not only not only do they, can they do this, they want to do this, they can vulnerably connect to your pain and not take it personally um, because they know who they are. Base level, faulty core beliefs are out of the way, they know who they are so they don't need you to validate them as a man so right. then they can connect to your pain, right? right? Um, they can be honest and authentic. Um, they can go take risks and, and try to step into their purpose in their careers and what they want to do with their life, um, regardless of, of the fear or, or what everybody thinks about them, right? So I started listing off all these things, and all it, it is, the only thing it is, is that these men have taken their sex addiction and they've turned it into the biggest blessing of their life because it's no longer this thing that, that uh, just is a shame machine just keeps reinforcing makes them bad all the time now it's this thing that has pushed them to look deep within to really figure out who they really are Mm -hmm. and as they've done that they've 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 learned oh my gosh i love myself like i love me i like what i see in the mirror yeah i I love myself and therefore vulnerability that can come easy right? right that can happen now and i can create love 
But it, it all comes down to these core principles of shame, resiliency, courage, facing the fear. And that's what real recovery is, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's hard because there's a lot of times, as you were talking about the disconnect, I, I was just on a phone call on my way down here with a woman who was saying the exact thing you're saying. She's like, he's not recovering anymore. I can't see this or this and this. And she's like, how do I know if he's in recovery? And I was like, and she was, she was asking the questions like, he's still acting out. He's still doing this. He's still doing that. Like right. it was all the, it was all the logistical stuff that wasn't the substantial stuff that her heart was speaking. Right. Her heart was saying, I'm scared. Yes. I, I don't know what kind of work is happening inside of him because he doesn't share with me what's going on. And so it feels unstable. And boy, if I just knew where he was at in his recovery, I'd feel a lot safer. Right. Well, okay. How are we going to get to that? If you go chase down 20 questions and say, did you go to your 12-step meeting and did you do this assignment? And did you do this? Right. And did you, did you act out today? We didn't even get to the real issue. But it's a catch-22, right? Because right. she wants to do that because, he, you know, he's resonating in fear and he's spinning oh, around. Oh, sure, totally. You know, and she feels it. She feels that, yep. and so she wants to hover. She yeah. wants to... Because she wants stability. She's, right. you know, she's worried about... She doesn't... The reason she's there is because she's still there and she wants to be in, and now right. she doesn't know she can be in because... It feels so unstable. It feels scary. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, and so, and so, but then the way she pursues it because she can't be vulnerable is she goes and asks the 20 questions... And then he gives all the answers to the 20 questions. And then she says, I don't believe you. And you're being defensive. <laughs> and then and then he's in addict mode, right? Right, right, right. And so instead, what if the question was, or what if the approach was a little bit different with a tiny bit more vulnerability that says, boy, I'm really hurting today. I'm getting a feeling that something might be off between us. I don't know what that is. But but Tyler, what you're what you're saying is like just just be like authentic with her that's it wholehearted <laughs> you <know>? living yeah <laughs> just, just actually show her who you actually are you know right and that, if, that's it and that's and all we, we came to at the end of this phone call is he's on the line listening and what it really boiled down to was all these questions that she's asking was hey i'm having a really hard day can you just come and reassure me that you're still working on your recovery and that you're here for me and that you love me and give me a hug yeah, she's saying, uh, basically she's saying, I love you and I want to be in a relationship with you. Right. And I'm scared that that relationship's falling apart. But it, it, if he's in his faulty core beliefs, oh, it's, it's going to be all about him not being good enough. He'll, he'll shrink away get there, or he'll, he'll get defensive. Absolutely. Yep. Um, yeah, you know, I just, it, it, I, I try to explain um, recovery to people and really it is an energy thing. When mm -hmm. we say you just know, right? Mm -hmm. um, but there is a catch-22 to it. And, and what it is is the usually with a sex addict, um, with sexual addiction, you, you're kind of uh, taking your shame and you're, 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 you're using fantasy and sex to try to soothe that shame, Pain, yeah. right? And, 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 and sex is so tied to attachment. Um, most of the sex addicts that I work with what do you know? They're very codependent to their wives, right. and and so, what their wife, you know, their wives can just give them one little little bad look, and that they're spinning out of control in their shame, yep. right? So th here's the catch twenty two, uh, you know, uh, to some degree, um, he he needs to learn how to face his fears and step into that authenticity with her. Yep. Um, but at the same time, he's early in recovery, and that he's shame's kicking shame the crap out bad. of him, yep. right? So what would you suggest? What do you do? That's a good question. We run into this all the time. Um, 
So one of the things that I encourage my both sides to do, men and women to do, is I encourage them to develop a team of same-sex people who understand what they're going through. And then this is how it works is that, say, she'll come to him and she'll approach him and say, hey, look, like, I can't, I don't think you're in recovery right now. And he's instantly going to have it pierce his shame. And he's going right. to, like, want to get knocked off his feet. And he'll either get defensive or he'll want to withdraw. Okay. Um, instead of that, what I encourage him to do is hang in with showing empathy for as long as he can, knowing that he's still got his shame here to deal with. Okay. And then as soon as he can, after he's done his best to show empathy or before he goes into total victim mode, he's going to take a break. He's going to go call his buddies and he's going to be have someone hold, have someone hold some space for yeah, him. And he's going to be like, guys, I'm, I'm, I, yep. I can't do this. Like I'm struggling. I feel like a total failure as a husband. My wife's just chewing me apart. The team is going to help piece him back together. He's going to get a chance to speak his story and be courageous to his buddies. Right. They're going to catch him. They're going to turn his perspective and they're going to remind him of who he is, which is a warrior for good. And then they're going to push him right back into his wife to go connect with her and yep. hold her hold space for her. And that's going to be a repetitive thing over and over, over again and over again. And she'll be doing the same thing on her side where when that timeout happens, she's still going to be spinning and swirling. She's going to go to her ladies She's going to get put back together. She's going to have people hear her story and validate her. They're going to remind her of why she's choosing to stay for the yes. moment. And then she's going to come back and hopefully come back. And when they touch base again, it'll be at a little bit lower level of vulnerability. Right, right, right. Yeah. So. Um, you know, Tyler, Tyler and I were the two biggest group guys that I know of. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and what I mean by that, you know, there's 12-step group, there's individual therapy, but I love um, – like therapy groups, uh, men's and women's groups. And what Tyler just described is a a healthy group working. And really that's because a group will give support. Um, They will challenge you to do things differently than you have in the past. They'll notice your denial and um, they'll hold space for you so that you can process some of your own stuff so that you can overcome some of these faulty core beliefs. It's really, really hard to do it on your own. And when you have some brothers behind you or some sisters behind you saying, you're good enough, even though you're struggling right now, you're okay, I've been where you've been, um, it's it starts to really sh- turn the tide on that shame. Absolutely. So. If, if, I, if I, I tell my clients if they could only do one thing with their recovery early on, even as couples, group would be the way to go. Yeah. Because it's going to f- lay the foundation for that safe space. to, p- And then they call you back up to who you are and they push you back into the game. And if you don't have that, you're in a, you're in a world of hurt. And I got to say, not all groups are created equally. Oh, no, um, not at some all. Some suck. Yeah. Um, some are, are detrimental to recovery. Uh, if you get in a group with a bunch of guys who are victiming out and they're denial, then they're going to feed your victim and they're going to feed your denial. No, right. Yeah. And if you get in there with a therapist, a therapist who can't like hold space there and and be boundaried and push you to challenge yourselves, um, then then you can railroad that therapist, right? Yeah, you definitely want to find the right fit, but yeah. but the principles behind what group does are just invaluable. If I could do group all day, that's what I would do. Yeah, it's the best. Me yeah. too. I love it. Um, all right, you guys. So th- we've ha- had like a general discussion about I think some of the deeper roots of addiction today. Um, what I would say is, if you're listening, um, to really challenge yourself. Uh, we talk about the difference between recovery and sobriety. Um, where are you? Where are you at? Have you been willing to do the the really deep soul searching and facing of that fear, so you can let go of that shame 
and, and find some peace within yourself. And then, then you can create some peace within your relationship. So any last words, Tyler? No, thanks B. I was just going to say that along with what you're saying, I always try to help instill this idea that recovery is really less about the checking the boxes and more about connecting your heart. And if you can be willing to go into the places where your heart is, even where it's painful, that's where the healing happens. And, um, boy, it's been a treat. Like, yeah. what a treat to be on with you today. Tyler always tears up, so I got a few, almost a few tears out of right him. Right here. So I'm almost getting teared <laughs> up right now. Good way to finish. Yeah. So thanks, guys. Thanks. See ya.